My guest in this episode of Says and Search is John Lee, head of evangelism at Microsoft. John is an in-demand speaker, blogger, and content creator on topics related to paid search and paid social. A short list of the places you might have heard John present includes HeroConf, State of Search, SMX, SMX Advanced, and many other places. John is an industry veteran. Before joining Microsoft, he worked at several of the top brands in PPC, including WordStream, Hannapin Marketing, and as the co-owner of Clicks Marketing. He's a really excellent blogger. If you enjoy this episode, I suggest you check out his column over at Search Engine Journal. He was also instrumental in the creation of the popular blog, PPC Hero. Earlier this year, Microsoft Advertising announced an exciting new ad format for automotive dealers. I start our conversation asking John all about automotive ads, the importance of automotive ad feeds, and he'll share a few success cases. It's also an interesting time in PPC generally. Not only are we coming out of a pandemic, but we're entering a cookie-less world with competing pressures on search engines for more privacy and more personalization in ads. John is a perfect guest to help us better understand this moment. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with John Lee. We'll talk about planning for the post-pandemic world, the role of automation and humans in PPC, and we'll do a little Microsoft ads myth-busting towards the end. All right, John Lee, welcome to Sussan Search. How you doing? I'm hanging in there, Mark. I'm doing quite well. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. We're happy to have you here. We, uh, I have many things to talk to you about, so I'm going to try and go okay. quickly. The first is a big announcement from Microsoft earlier this year. Uh, automotive ads are now yes. out and running. At Search Lab, we work with a lot of automotive dealerships, so this was really exciting for us and for our paid search team. Um, for people who are, aren't familiar, what are automotive ads? How do you get started? What are we talking about? All right. Great question. First off, I would say that Greg was like the first, like in the top five people that I reached out to once I learned about this feature. Was like, who do I know that talks automotive? Greg, boom, done. The guy. Um, but no, so automotive ads, right? This is a big industry, as you guys well know, with your clientele with a lot of moving parts, but the biggest thing is that it's based on feeds, right? Think e-commerce, right? Automobiles, it's it's a different kind of e-commerce, right? It's all information, it's attributes. What about the vehicle? How old is it? What's the condition, price, location? All these things is based in feeds. And so with that, you know, with that in mind, it's like, okay, well, we know what we can do with e-commerce. Where can we go with this technology for other industries? And so automotive was a clear, winner it's a clear extension of that technology and so that was really the stepping stone that got us to this point and so it's basically saying okay hey automotive in search is a big deal people are going to be uh, doing a search for used toyota camry <laughs> right mm-hmm. and and we want to surface a, a great relevant ad for them text ads are, are awesome we have image extensions but what if what if we could serve them a beautiful image of the vehicle telling them exactly how far away it is from their exact location with a big call to action button, right? And, and additional information. And so that's really the, the dream as it were, that became a reality with automotive ads. Yeah. And I hopefully, think, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Our, <laughs> yeah. Our director of, of pay media wrote a great post about it and I thought it was really outstanding. And he made the point, the ads to see the car. I think that's the big thing. Like you'd be able to actually see the car that you would buy is huge. You, you know, I want to I want to just press you a little bit on the feeds themselves. What is yes. sort of a 
a minimum viable inventory feed contain and what does an optimal inventory feed contain? What what are the what are right, the right, right. Well, I mean, just to draw a direct corollary. So if you're in the automotive space and you're already submitting a feed to say Facebook marketplaces, you could literally take that feed and submit it to us. Minor changes necessary, if any, right? So like it's very much based on the, the typical standard protocol within the automotive industry already. So that's kind of the benchmark. Um, but beyond that though, we need, I mean, vehicle make, model, year, price, location, which is mostly gonna be based off of zip code, uh, traditionally speaking, but it, we have the capability of pulling the entire address of the dealership um, location. Those are really the big pieces. And then if you think of like secondary attributes, so color, condition, right? It goes on down the line, but we can even pull in, you know, not just new versus used, but we also have a CPO or a certified pre-owned uh, category in there as well. And so if you're in CPO, absolutely include that right there that's a that's a growing market within automotive right now well very cool and i, I know it's a relatively new ad format uh do you have any success success cases you could share with us oh man you're that's a curveball um off the top <laughs> of my head no um would be happy to to maybe do a follow-up after this uh conversation Excellent. with some stats but yeah, you know technically speaking this is still in pilot but we're in an open pilot, right? And and we do have a form. So if you're an automotive advertiser and you want to get, get activated here, it's a matter of just filling out the form, giving us your account ID, and then our people are going to reach out to you and say, hey, how can we get you onboarded? So that's, that's awesome. But we do have, I mean, if you think about the major players in just like, you know, the automotive marketplaces, they're on the platform. If you think about the major agencies in this space, they're on the platform. And so we have a lot of positive momentum here that's only going to continue through the rest of the year. Fantastic. Well, we're, we're trying to get every dealer that we have on it, and I uh, fully support. So stay in touch with Search Lab and, and Mark Urban, especially if, you, if you'd like to hear about our success with it. We'll um, do. We'll do. I want to I shift gears a little bit to a search engine journal an SEJ mm. article that you wrote it was about automation uh the okay. title of it was pbc automation human input and follow through equals secret sauce yes. i think <laughs> i think this is a an interesting topic automation impacts pbc folks more and more every day you know things like bid rules have been around for a while but maybe help our audience understand how much automation from just, not just microsoft but microsoft google how much automation plays into the everyday tasks of being a PPC consultant? So, I mean, automation has multiple layers, right? It could be as simple as I'm going to fully invest myself in responsive search ads, right? So that's just one aspect of this massive ecosystem. But responsive search ads in and of themselves are an automated, for lack of a better word, miracle in, in the space, right? So you're gonna give us multiple headlines, multiple body copy segments, and then we're gonna take that and start to do some rotation in the SERP. We're gonna look at what your competitor sets are doing, what else is happening in the marketplace, try to piece together the best version of your ad. Like that is some high level machine learning at work, right? So even if it's just a that, right? That's like tiptoeing in. Then you have dynamic search ads, which is a whole other layer. And then, of course, what most of us associate with automation, with bids. And so 
what you have to consider is that whether it's Google, whether it's us at Microsoft Advertising, or say even I mean Facebook, right? When it comes to bidding, like the platforms, the publishers, as it were, we have access to so much data, right? We can see what is happening on our platforms. We can see all this the the cohort data that's happening, whether it's on search or if you think native advertising, et cetera. When you consider all of those data points married with your understanding, your knowledge sets, like that's really the way to go is to think about, is it a target CPA or, you know, um, a target ROAS, what have you, like, it's one of those things like you have to, you have to trust it, you have to lean in, but to, to your point, and you're challenging me with my article a little bit here, but that's good is, is that you can't just go into it blindly. It's, yeah. You have to have a plan. You have to understand your metrics. And most importantly is try it, see what the stats are, and either adjust or reevaluate and start over again. It's, it's a process. It's not a set it and forget it ideal. I and that would be the dream, a, right? Yeah. But <laughs> No, I think your article does a great job of that. And one of the things that you mentioned is that automation scares some advertisers. Um, I would, I would, I would add it also scares some of our clients uh, as well. Just the the amount of automation that's available. Uh, what tips do you have for kind of overcoming some of these common fears? Hmm. Lack of control, lack of uh, yeah. personalization. What, what what tips do you have? Sure. Well, one is just doing some just honest to god testing. And so, whether in the Google Ads platform or Microsoft Advertising, uh, you can use campaign experiments and say, okay. My, my constant, you know, campaign A is going to use traditional CPC bidding, all of, you know, everything that I am controlling, but my variant campaign B, let's turn on a flexible bid strategy um, and just see what happens, or let's, gonna, let's give it a good week, two weeks to get in, learn, and then start to optimize and really see what the stats say. That's, that's kind of like the base level barrier of entry. Um, to to do some objection handling, to use a sales term there. <laughs> um, so I, I would say like start there, but man, it, it goes much deeper than that. And and really like start to understand, like get out there, right? You know, p ping me on Twitter or start asking questions of, okay, so I, I can see data points X, Y, Z. What am I not seeing, right, that your right. platform, your publisher is optimizing against? Be curious, right? Mm -hmm. And understand that there's a lot of data at stake here. And Microsoft being, being the company that it is, being very privacy-centric, um, we keep that stuff locked down very tight. And it's good quality data. And so it's, it's about like finding the balance, right? It's saying, okay, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to trusted enough to test it. I would say though, like platform wide and I shame on me, I've not memorized the stats, mm -hmm. but <laughs> like by and large, even with just, you know, enhanced CPC, which is like bare minimum automation of a bid is like platform wide. We see that increasing click through rate, reducing cost per acquisition, right? The net positive platform wide is massive. And that goes even deeper when you start optimizing against true conversion data. So cost per acquisition, return on ad spend, et cetera. I get it. I get it. So one of the points you, you mentioned it on this, on this talk and you've mentioned in your articles that you'll get out of it what you put into it. So hmm. if you think it's just a set it and forget it, um, 
you're, you're, you're going about this all wrong, that you're going to get right. out of it what you put into it. So automations are about creating more you know, efficiency. At what That's point right. you know, does monitoring all these automations become more of a pain than it's worth? I, I set out to do this to be more efficient, not less. Uh, how, where do you draw the line and how do you balance all right. this? Right, right. Well, and I mean, I think that's the $10,000 question. Maybe that's too cheap. Maybe it's the $1 million question. I'm not sure what dollar value to set on it, to be honest. But look, I mean, so for, for context, for those that are listening, I, like I've been in this industry for 15 years, only something less than five. I'm not at the five-year mark is with Microsoft Advertising. Most of that was agency side doing the work um, with my clients. And so what I would say is, is there is a break-even point. If you think about return on time investment, when you think about like how deeply am I going to segment my campaign structures, right? Isolating a single keyword in a campaign or an ad group, right? There, you can go very, very deep. But the deeper that you go, the more that you segment, and particularly when you layer on levels of automation on top of that, it sounds wonderful top-down. But when you're in the mix, Hyper segmentation married with layers of automation, can, to your point, can become a lot to manage. And so I think it's a, it, it's where's the tipping point, right? So I've done some segmentation. This is what makes sense. I've layered automation. This seems to be working for me. I have time to sit back and think strategically. What am I doing with my ad copy? What am I doing? If you're an SMB, what am I doing with my business, right? Let alone my paid search campaigns. Um, that's that's where it's like oh you know what this has saved me time my performance is great you're you're in the sweet spot right but if it becomes something like wow i have nine tests going eight of them suck one of them is rocking what am i going to do maybe <laughs> maybe right. you've overdone it i get it i get it well i i want to ask you about another article you wrote for sej uh -oh. that was about yeah. it was about planning for di digital advertising growth in 2021 and beyond so uh, really, this this was written in January, but this is about planning for the post-pandemic world. It's so very topical mm. today, and it's it's interesting. You start with uh, with mindset. So we're very metrics focused. We're search marketers. We always think about where's the data to support this. You start with uh, you know emotional intelligence. That's right. In what ways does a marketer's mindset? You know, what's in what ways does the mindset go into preparing for a post-COVID world? Well, I think like particularly today, so May 2021, is that the world is disjointed. We have parts of the world, we have communities that are recovering and that are doing well. We have others that are not. So we can take just the, the dichotomy of the United States and India, for instance, right? two very different trajectories today. And so I think part of it is just understanding that. And if you think in the microcosm of just one market, so let's take the US, we have multiple cities, multiple states that are in a recovery pattern, things are going well, but we also have communities that are either plateaued or maybe even moving in a negative direction. And so it's being mindful, understanding that and so if you take my work, right, like talking about these things, these really big ideas, I have to be mindful of that, right? I can't simply say, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? We're, we're in a recovery. 
that may be true for some folks, but not for everybody. So I think that that is certainly part of it. But it's also we, the the, the royal we here, we, all of us, that, that digital transformation to go from, you know, I'm going into my office, I'm doing my job to, wow, everything is shut down. I'm working from home. That happened overnight. And I think it was very shocking for folks. And so I think a lot of it is also just having patience with the process, um, both in your day-to-day work, but thinking of that, like having empathy for everyone. And that could be empathy for the person on the other side of Bing or Google who's doing a search and say, okay, what is their mindset, right? Uh The intent of somebody doing a search today could be vastly different from what it was a year ago, definitely two years ago, right? And so that emotional intelligence, which is empathy, it is just a recognition of reality goes to managing a campaign, but just being a good human being if we're at, at the end of the day, right? Like I think that matters, you, matters so much. I think that's what you repeat. You said, yeah. Be kind. It was one of the main, main focuses of the, of the article. So, yeah. you know, in addition to it being a year where, you know, hopefully we get back to some semblance of normal and, um, mm-hmm. We're trying to navigate that as marketers. It's also just a particularly like search marketing is in flux because of all the privacy concerns. And Correct. it seems like anytime I'm talking to a paid marketer, uh, paid search, paid social, whatever, uh, we're talking about the world where you're butting up against what marketers want, which is more personalization of ads. Yep. Consumers and, and other advocate, consumer advocacy groups are talking about in terms of privacy. You know, I, your article goes into this. It's a, we're entering into a cookie list world. What can marketers do to stay ahead of the curve? I, I know it's an open-ended question. It's a broad question, but I'm curious what you think. Yeah, it, that is a super big question. It is likely the hottest topic of any community, right? Whether you're truly, uh, you know, paid advertising, if you're an SEO, like if you were involved in the internet today, that is likely a very, very big topic for you. I will admit, I can't speak to it too deeply. What I will say is this, is that you can start to prepare by thinking about where are you approaching your activity with first party data, right? What data do you have on hand? So you think customer match, right? Customer match, customer match audiences. I mean, Facebook allows you to input phone number, address, like a million and one data points. Google, I think is like, it's less than 10 data points. Currently on Microsoft Advertising, it is only email regardless, right? If you have email, if you have a customer database and it is really hard to be in business these days without that, um, think about how you're leveraging that, right? And, And not just how am I leveraging it today for audience targeting and paid advertising, but also thinking about how am I building that for the future. And so I read a, a really poignant article. I, th- I think it was on media post just last week around loyalty programs have always mattered. They've always had a place regardless of vertical, regardless of industry, but the importance of that today is so much higher. So what can you do with building true loyalty in your customer base, getting them involved to come back and be repeat purchasers? And not only from a, just what that matters in terms of lifetime value, but what it matters in terms of how can I adjust my thinking 
if I'm going to lose XYZ targeting factors and I gain this much more in first party data, that's a really big deal. And so I think that's a starting point is first party data, collecting that information and targeting off of that. No, that's a great tip. Um, all right. Well, I want to, you, you've been generous with your time. I want to try and get to something else. There's a lot, a lot I had prepared to talk to you about, as you can tell. So one was a webinar you did. It was about myth busting. Um, yeah. Yes. Microsoft advertising and the benefits of search ads. So yeah. uh, I want I, I, I want to try and be respectful of time, but so I'm hoping this could be kind of a rapid fire segment. I've got four myths that you cover in this webinar, and I'm yes. curious if you could help inform our audience. So myth number one, my customers only use Google. John that's Lee correct. I say I say that's that's just no. It's it's not true. Um, if you look at PCs only, um, where we're like two out of five of, of all searches, you know, whatever, two out of five. If you look at all devices, so including mobile, tablets, um, you know, it's like you know one out of one out of three, something like that. But like big picture, it's it's not just Bing. I mean, yes, it's Bing, but it's Bing, it's AOL, it's Yahoo, it's a multitude of high quality search partners, including. DuckDuckGo, for those that didn't know that, um, it's a very big addressable market. And that's just search, let alone what we can offer you with native ads. Awesome. Myth number two is that Microsoft is okay if your audience is B2B. Everybody knows about the partnership with LinkedIn. That's mm -hmm. very exciting for mm -hmm. B2B mm -hmm. people. So it's great if my audience is B2B or old people. What is John Lee? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So there was a time, and like going back to when I was client side, you know, agency side, that was somewhat true. I my agency was always very skewed towards B two B. We had some very big B two B advertisers, and there was a there was a certain point where budget split was sixty forty between Google Ads and Microsoft Advertising, and this was like six seven years ago, right? So that was true. But if you look at our demographic splits today, we are doing quite well in terms of the under forty five demographic, which. Again, isn't everybody, but that's a very desirable demographic. If you look at the split between genders, et cetera. So like, it's, it may have been true at one point, but it isn't anymore. Wonderful. Uh, all right, myth number three. Yeah. Microsoft advertising is not state-of-the-art tech. Right. That's John Lee. Yeah, I would say that Microsoft is one of the few companies that's chasing, at this point, I think, the $2 trillion market cap. So you have to consider where Microsoft, the big Microsoft sits in the mix of things. And Microsoft advertising, while we are just a small part of that, we are still coming to you with the power, with the knowledge, the engineering skills, all of these things of greater Microsoft. And so, you know, while we may be the competitor brand to a Google, et cetera, we're also coming to you with very smart tools, with some of the brightest minds in AI and, and modern technology, everything that we can bring to you with the power of the cloud. There's a lot happening. There are We've made a lot of announcements just this calendar year, and there's probably that much or more I can't even talk about yet. So again, it's an exciting time, I think for the industry at large, cookie-less or not, right? There's just a lot of really cool innovation happening we are, I, I feel, on a really good side of that. And so, again, don't don't snooze on it is all I'm saying. Wonderful. This is my last myth. So yeah. the last myth is search is boring, search is reductive. I need mm. more. I need more to really engage yeah. with my customers. What do you say? 
Yeah, I would say that if you're a marketer and you believe that, shame on you, first of all, right? Because search is just one of many touch points. And that could be paid search, organic search. But then if we think about the, the true CDJ, that customer decision journey, search plays a significant role. Yes, and I feel like time and time again, like our data at Microsoft Advertising, Google has published data, even Facebook has published data saying like, don't ignore search, right? Like social is super important, but that's, that, that doesn't mean they only see you on Google or on Facebook rather, and then convert. They may see your ad and then are gonna go to a Google or a Bing to a search. And then they may see your ad on MSN or you know insert website name here and then convert, right? The CDJ matters. And so it's multiple touch points. And so within Microsoft Advertising, of course, that means it is search plus native advertising with the Microsoft Audience Network. Awesome. My, my BFF like uh, as a player. <laughs> I, li I like this myth-busting, rapid-fire question. This is fun. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun something. format. We, it actually spun yeah. out into a uh, somewhat of a, a short-lived blog series of, like, a challenge that assumption. Because that, okay, that's the base idea is, like, here's an assumption that somebody has, client or otherwise, and, you know, let's let's back it up with some facts. So it's a it's a fun format. Well, I dig trademark, it. Trademark pending. <laughs> there you go. I'm just, just well, good. Well, good. Well, John, how, how do people get in touch with you? What's your favorite social media? How do you, how do you like to be contacted? I actually emailed somebody earlier today and it was, so Twitter, John underscore a underscore Lee, LinkedIn, the John a Lee, because believe it or not, there's a lot of John Lee's in the world. Um, you know, email, uh, J O H L E E Microsoft couldn't spare the N. Good Lord, folks, come on, just one letter. Um, and otherwise, your carrier pigeon of choice. Very good. Well, thank you again for coming on. Keep pumping out this great content. I'm going to give you a virtual cheers for now, and we'll be back next week for another episode of Cheers, Indeed. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, John. <laughs>